This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted as always to be here with you today after an unplanned two-week hiatus. And um, my apologies and and thanks, by the way, to those of you who have written to me to see what's going on. And um, yeah, it's actually a pretty simple explanation. I I got a cold a couple of weeks ago and just a regular garden variety cold, which in in these days of uh, exotic novel illnesses w- was almost kind of a relief, to tell you the truth, to just have a regular garden variety cold. And it wasn't that big a deal. And I actually threw the cold itself off fairly quickly, but it did kind of settle into my throat. And I had laryngitis. Um, And the laryngitis was not helped by the fact that I I did turn 50 in the middle of all of this. Uh, Yay me, I guess. Uh, And my husband had been planning for a while a, a very small surprise party And, you know, some friends and relatives came in from out of town, so it would have been a difficult thing to reschedule. And there really was no need to reschedule it because I was not really sick at that point, but my voice was still kind of shot. And so, of course, four hours standing outside talking to people did not do anything to to improve um, the speed with which my, my voice recovered. So that is is kind of the long and the short of it. I had laryngitis, and that's why I didn't record. And, you know, I've been doing these podcasts for, gosh, like six or seven months now at this point, which is, again, astonishing for me to to realize. And during that time, there have been maybe three or four weeks where, you know, life just caught up with me, and, and I just could not do a podcast that week for one reason or another. And I have always felt sort of guilty about it, you know, kind of like when when you don't do your homework and you you sort of uh, stood there in front of your teacher and kind of uh, shamefaced and and stammering excuses. And even though I did not do that with you guys, that that was sort of how I felt. But I will say that that this time I actually did not feel guilty because what can you do if, if you don't have a voice then there's really no way you can record a podcast. You know, the other times I felt like if I had just managed my time or my priorities better, that I I could have found the time to do the podcast. And and I don't necessarily really believe that's true, but you feel that way. You know, you feel that even though this is an obligation you have created for yourself and not like a job that you have taken that somebody's paying you for, or that somebody's depending on you for, um, you know, you 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 feel bad about missing your obligation for the week, but. This time, I although I, I did not enjoy the laryngitis, I I did not feel guilty insofar as I I, I couldn't talk. If if you can't talk, what can you do? I, I feel now actually like like I sound like kind of a jerk. Like I'm basically telling you guys like I didn't give you guys a podcast for the last two weeks, and I don't even feel bad about it. That that's not what I mean. <laughs> I've of course missed speaking with you, and and I do love hearing from you guys. I, I hear from so many of you after 
and a new podcast episode has dropped and and it is nice to know that I am not just howling into the void. And so a big thanks to all of you who've been listening and who've been providing feedback and leaving reviews. And and please, I, I do ask if you enjoy the podcast um, or I guess technically, even if you don't, but if you could leave a review on on Apple, iTunes or Spotify or anything like that, this, of course, always appreciated. I, I try not to push these things too much every week, but but you should always assume that it would make me happy to to get a review or to hear from you guys. Um, it certainly always helps. And if you are looking for a way to reach out or to get in touch with me, um, you can do so through my website, gwencooper.com, or you can just shoot me an email, gwen at gwencooper.com, and that's G-W-E-N, at G-W-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R.com. And actually, later on in today's episode, I'm going to be answering a reader question from Andrea Goldsmith. And again, if you would like me to answer a question from you on a future episode of the podcast or, or just hear me shout out your name, um, just shoot me an email or, or leave a comment on my website on the page for this podcast or on one of the other sites like Apple, Spotify, Podbean, et cetera, et cetera, where this podcast is distributed. And yeah, I would always love to hear from you. One thing that some of you have written to me about, and and I've certainly not forgotten about, although it's been a couple of months at this point, is the latest status of what is happening with Cobble Small Animal Rescue. And I, I do want to say that the status quo at this point is pretty much what it has been in the previous updates that I've given. I'm sure that there's more progress that is being made behind the scenes, but Cobble Small Animal Rescue, for obvious reasons, is trying to keep a tight a tight lid on the nitty gritty specifics of their evacuation plan, both for the animals and also for their staff. Um, they do continue to perform just an astonishing number of rescues, and and if you are keeping up with them on their Facebook page, their social media accounts, which I absolutely encourage you to do so. You will see just all of the the cats and dogs and kittens and puppies and and turtles and goats and even a couple of peacocks um, and other animals that they have been able to rescue during their extended time, their unplanned extended time operating in Afghanistan. Um, my understanding is that the plan continues to be to evacuate the cats to the United States ultimately and the dogs to Canada. That is as much as I know right now. My feeling is that when that happens, they are probably going to, you know, need assistance here, both financial, but also logistical. I don't know what kind of a foster network here in the United States they have, for example, but it seems to me that there will likely be a need for foster families, both in the U.S. and Canada, to to take in at least temporarily some of these cats or dogs. And if that is something that you feel like you might be able to do, um, I, I mean, I guess for right now, you know, it, it's something to think about, but I will let you know if they start putting out a call for fosters. And of course, if you have the capacity to be a foster family or, or a foster person for a rescue cat or dog, it is a lovely thing to do. And I'm sure there is a local rescue in your area that would be grateful for your services. You know, it's, a. Uh, I'm, uh, 
definitely doing a, a lot better than I was as far as laryngitis, but but even talking right now is I, I can't lie. It is um it is hurting my throat a little bit. And uh, that is not to complain. But this is probably going to be a somewhat shorter than typical podcast episode, just because I do want my my throat to recover all the way. And along those lines, and because it, it basically, I mean, right now it's October 31st when I'm recording this, it's going to be November 1st when this airs. And so I do apologize to those of you in my Patreon community uh, for not having given you your shout outs in October that to which you are entitled as as supporters on Patreon um, and and I am sorry about that. I promise that I'm going to make it up to you this month in many ways, not just with shout outs, but also with other fun stuff that we are going to be doing in November. And I'm very excited about it. And I will keep everybody informed as things unfold. But I am hoping to have a new book available for the holiday season this year. Um, right now, I'm looking at the first or second week in December to publish that. And those of you on Patreon are going to be getting sneak peeks of the book in progress. Um, if I am not, you know, it's, it's a weird year with uh, supply. We keep hearing about these supply chain shortages. And so it is possible, I suppose, that by the time the book is finished, it would not be on Amazon in time for you to be able to order a copy for the holidays. I hope that's not the case. But it may be that you need a longer than usual lead time to order things on Amazon this holiday season. If that is the case, the book will, of course, still be there. Um, and and I guess what I'm trying to say is we will see what happens. This is me worrying aloud about uh, a, a famous Cooper family tradition, by the way. This is something I inherited from my mother and from my grandmother, which is this tendency to worry about possible worst case scenarios that have not actually happened yet. So let's assume that the book will be done and on Amazon and available in plenty of time for holiday shipping and that there is going to be no problem <laughs> with that. And I will keep you posted. But the good news, if you are on Patreon, is that you will be able to start to read the book, at least online, well ahead of, of you know, any any crunch crunch time for the holiday season. And I will keep you further apprised as, as those events unfold. And and speaking of um, the the kind of uh, weird and and rushed and and potentially shortage laden holiday season that we are coming into, um, so I have you know typically every year I, I have a stash of first edition hardcover copies of Homer's Odyssey, Love Saves the Day, and My Life in a Cat House, and during the holiday season. I typically make some of those available for holiday purchase, you know, autographed copies to give as gifts or to gift yourself with. Um, this is going to be the last year in which I'm able to do that simply because my supplies will have finally, after um, something like 12 years, will have finally run out completely. And even some of the sources from which I typically get those first editions um, when I'm, you know, when my own stash is running low, I will most likely not be able to replenish from. And that's just because they're, you know, hardcovers, normally so many hardcover copies of any book printed. Usually the vast majority of copies of a book that sell are the paperback editions. And so there are always lots more paperback editions in print than there are hardcovers. There's just a really finite number. And, and so we are finally kind of, of of hitting that wall of of affinity of, of finiteness 
and and there are only so many copies and I am only going to to have a few left and and the point being that I'm actually I usually wait till a little a little closer to the holidays but I'm going to start making those available now. And I'm still going to be donating the money from those sales this year to Cobble Small Animal Rescue. Um, I I really do very passionately believe in what they are doing. I am in constant, just amazed awe of, of the strength and fortitude of this woman, of Charlotte, for, for running, continuing to run this organization in, in the middle, in, in, in the midst of one of the most dangerous places on the face of the earth, for to for animals and and for women and certainly for an American woman. And while I will never have the the strength or the fortitude or or just the incredible spirit that this woman has, I can absolutely be a cheerleader and fundraiser for her on the sidelines. And so that is what I intend to do. Um, so basically, the price of hardcover books is, is twenty five dollars U.S. shipping included. If you live anywhere outside of the U.S., including Canada. Um, we can certainly discuss. I- I'm happy to send you a book, but there will be an additional shipping charge, and I could let you know exactly what that will be. Um, I-, I should just say, a- as a kind of pre-warning, there, I'm happy to ship books to Australia, but the USPS, um, US Postal Service, this year has just really, really jacked up the prices on shipping to Australia specifically, and it probably just for shipping is not going to be much less than seventy. U.S. dollars, and please understand, I, I am not setting that that price. Um, so, so please do not get mad at me when I quote that price to you. But if you are interested in a hardcover edition of Homer's Odyssey, Love Saves the Day, or My Life in a Cat House, please do email me Gwen G W E N at Gwen Cooper G W E N C O O P E R dot com. Again, 100% of the proceeds from these books, other than what it costs to ship them, is going to go to Cobble Small Animal Rescue. And also, again, I really do want to emphasize that this is probably going to be the last year that I offer first edition hardcovers, at least in in any quantity, unless I am able to discover a new source somehow for, for obtaining them, which I suppose is possible. But candidly, it's not something I'm going to be putting a lot of time into. And it seems like all of a sudden this this episode has become a whole lot of of housekeeping, which I apologize for. I, I guess that's sort of the inevitability um, when there's been a two week hiatus. So I'm going to take a, a short break right now for about thirty seconds or so, and when I come back, I will be answering this week's reader question. So I encourage you to sit back, relax, hang out, get comfy, and stick around for more curl up with a cattail. Sticking around. And this week's reader question comes from reader Andrea Goldsmith. And Andrea wants to know you wrote Homer's Odyssey about Homer, obviously, and you've said that Scarlet was the inspiration for Prudence and Love Saves the Day. 
why is it that you never wrote a book about Vashti? And uh, I'm assuming that that most of you listening know that that my first generation cats, as I like to refer to them, were Scarlet, who was the oldest, and and Vashti, who was my middle child. And then, of course, Homer, who was the the youngest and the subject of Homer's Odyssey. And 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 I guess to some extent, I have, I've always been aware of the fact that that Vashti has been that classic neglected middle child, uh, not just because she was the middle child, but also because she had fewer problems, let's say, in life than Scarlet and Homer. And that right off the top, I, I, I guess it kind of plays into why there was a book about Homer and why, you know, although there was not technically a book about Scarlet, Scarlet's personality was very much the model for for Prudence in the novel Love Saves the Day. And and so I guess and 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 I certainly, you know, I, I, I can say very honestly that I I loved Vashti certainly no less than I loved Homer or Scarlet. Um I, I really do think it's true and, and it's one of those things, you know, I, I've never been a parent of children, of human children. But I, I do know I, I remember my mother insisting when my sister and I were kids that she loved my sister and me both the same. All you know, and and it's true. I loved all three of my cats the same, but I definitely had different relationships with them. And so I wouldn't it didn't affect the the quantity of love or even necessarily the quality of love, but I'm aware of the fact that I had very different relationships with all three of them and I would imagine that it is the same with human children. And I was also always aware of the fact that, that you know, because Vashti, although those of you who have read My Life in a Cat House, you, you know that Vashti did have some peeing tendencies. I don't want to say issues necessarily, but Vashti had a way of, of peeing to get attention when she felt that she was not getting sufficient attention or, or not making her point clearly enough. Um, so that wasn't an, an issue that we had. You know, Vashti had some real abandonment issues um, because she, you know, she had sort of a, a traumatic kittenhood, as I guess did all three of my cats. They were all rescues. But Vashti seems to have been, I mean, she was definitely in the worst shape of all three of my cats when she first came to me. You know, Vashti, I directly rescued Vashti. Um, I was the, the first rescuer to take Vashti to the vet and and get her treated for her mites and her worms and and all the the things that were making her so uncomfortable and and to feed her after you know what was clearly a long period of starvation for her and and so there was always that between Vashti and me it was a little bit different than what I had with Homer and Scarlet both of whom came to me from other rescuers so that by the time I adopted them they were in good shape. They they were clean and and mite free and and they weren't hungry anymore and and they weren't afraid of of that they were going to die basically. And so I always thought that in a way that was different from my other two cats, Vashti really associated me with her with her survival. That that Vashti had an idea that if she and I were separated or if she were taken away from me, that she might actually die. And her separation anxiety expressed itself in the form of pee. When when she felt that her bond with me was threatened, she would pee on things to get my attention, basically. I'm really nutshelling um, the story, the Picasso of pee in my life in a cat house. And I definitely encourage everyone to check it out. 
But having said all of that, and and so look, you know, like like all three of my cat, like all five of my cats, Vashti was a rescue. Um, rescues always have issues, but I ultimately Vashti was was a very affectionate and easygoing cat. Um, she loved people. People loved her. She loved me, and I loved her. You know, Homer. The, I mean, the first thing that that any English teacher, certainly any writing professor, will tell you is that a good story needs to have challenges built in. You you can't have a story where people you start out where people are pretty much fine, everything is okay, and everything continues to be pretty much okay. And then at the end of the book, it's still okay. And no real problems came up. No real challenges were faced or overcome. And everyone has stayed, remains pretty much the same all the way through. It would be, of course, an intensely boring book in which really nothing of much significance would happen. And the thing with Vashti, I mean, yes, she she had her fears of my leaving her. But of course, I was never going to leave her. That was never going to happen. So although it was something she became afraid of from time to time over the course of her life and reacted to, it wasn't really a challenge that she had to overcome. You know, Homer being blind and and having faced such a rough start in life did have obvious challenges that he had to overcome, as did I at the time when I adopted Homer and over the course of, of, let's say, the first, you know, 10 years or so of his life. It was a very challenging decade in my own life as well. And so that was really the nucleus of a book. It it kind of made sense. You know, I, I always felt that I could see what that book would be about. It would be that this cat and and me, although we each had different challenges and different struggles, facing those challenges in life side by side and helping each other through them and ultimately coming to a point in in both of our lives where we were secure and cared for and happy and 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 everything was was essentially okay. Scarlet, and again, if you have read uh, My Life in a Cat House and you've read the story I Choo Choo Choose You, then you know that that Scarlet and I also had to sort of find our way to each other. You know, Scarlet is, is one of those cats. If Scarlet were a person, Scarlet would be that that perpetually misunderstood person who has such a good and loving heart underneath it all, but who on the surface is so crusty and 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 just kind of of awkward and not really fond of lots of people although intensely fond of a few people and who a lot of people therefore think is mean or shy or or just unlikable you know my my best friend Andrea who is herself an animal lover and and had cats of her own at the time always used to refer to Scarlet as that wretched cat and if you were someone just coming into my house, or, I mean, a friend of mine, your interactions with Scarlet, if you even had any, would not have been positive, right? Scarlet tended to avoid people when if she was forced into an encounter with people. She was not friendly. Um, she could be very, very aggressively unfriendly if it came right down to it. Um, but Scarlet did really have a loving heart and she did want to love and trust. And, and again, if you read the story, I choo choo choose you. I mean, you see that, that it, it took a while for the two of us to find our way to each other. And, and that story takes place over a period of months, but it was even sort of a period of years. And, and I think everybody, if you've had enough cats, if you lived with cats long enough, everybody's had this experience of, of that one cat 
who you really do have to work toward having a relationship with. You know, most of the time, I think we we rescue animals or we adopt animals and we fall in love instantly just because we now belong to each other. You know, any animal that comes into my house and is now mine and I am theirs, uh, that it is just from that, that that love starts to grow. But with Scarlet, I, I, it wasn't that I didn't love her instantly, but that love was not immediately followed by closeness or by a close relationship. Scarlett and I really, over a period of months and years, had to find our way toward each other. And so I, you know, and, and that is its own challenge. And and that was not just my challenge. I always thought of it as Scarlett's challenge, too. Like, there was something that Scarlett needed. Scarlett was not, she was a loving soul, but she was not an innately trusting soul, and it took her a long time to understand that I really, really could be trusted, that she could trust me and depend on me and did not have to worry about anything from my trying to force physical affection on her that she might not have wanted to leaving her suddenly, that I was never going to leave her, that I I would always be there for her. And so that just seemed like, like I mean, that is also a challenge that many of us face in our own lives, right? I, I think a lot of us have a hard time, would describe ourselves as as having good and loving hearts, but not always finding it easy to bestow that loving heart on, on a worthy object. Um, I hear from a lot of people all the time who will say things like, animals have never disappointed me and people disappoint me constantly. And I I, I do understand where people who say that are coming from, it can seem sometimes very difficult to trust people or to know who to trust or to know who we can trust our hearts with and whose hearts we ourselves want to be entrusted with. And so these are very human challenge, human and relatable challenges that without trying to make Scarlet a, without trying to anthropomorphize her, or turn her into a cat version of a person. Um, but I felt in some ways that that Scarlet faced similar challenges in her own life. And that this would uh, be the a very relatable, ch- you know, kind of a challenger or core for a novel. That people would be able to read it and, and understand implicitly this cat. Who really did want to love someone and was just confused and scared about who that trustworthy someone to love was supposed to be. Um, and I guess ultimately with Vashti, you know, Vashti, I mean, I guess the, the, the glib answer would be that Vashti never became the subject of an entire book because Vashti ultimately was too well adjusted or, or, or too sweet and, and too kind, you know, Vashti did not cause enough problems or, or suffer from enough problems. I, I think, um, and to some extent, that is also true of, of Clayton and Fanny, although they all have made wonderful subjects for for stories. You know, there, there are always antics and, and fun things that, that can be written about them. And, and so that's why there are so many great short stories that have been collected in My Life in a Cat House and in Spray Anything in, in a new collection that I'm hoping to have published um, early in 2022. But, you know, a book length novel or, or memoir is, is a little bit difficult if there is not genuinely that, that real crux of a conflict. Um, at least for me. 
And of course, there there are other people who are different and and arguably better writers than I am and, and who might have been able to do more with the source material at hand. Although I will say, you know, it's interesting because the, I, I, for those of you who can remember back to 2013, um, the paper actually, wow, you know, so the paperback edition of My Life in a Cat House, um, it came out October 22nd, 2013, which was two days before my birthday. That's why I remember the date specifically. And it was, I really was was just doing a lot of work to promote the paperback launch of of um, Love Saves the Day. In part, you know, we had lost Homer a couple of months earlier, and I was really committed to donating the royalties from every copy of the book that sold the first week to Blind Cat Rescue and Sanctuary in Homer's name. I, I just really wanted that tribute for him. And so, of course, I, I really wanted as many sales as possible. I really wanted to try to drive that number up and make that donation as large as possible. And so it was just a really crazy, grueling um, lead up to that. And and Clayton, who was very close with Homer, who had really just kind of hero-worshipped Homer and and who had a difficult time, Following his death, um, Clayton ended up with a urinary tract blockage the night before the the day that my life and I'm sorry that that Love Saves the Day was supposed to come out in paperback. So it was supposed to come out in paperback on Tuesday, October twenty second, I believe was the date. And I at eleven p.m. the night of Monday, October twenty first, ended up at the emergency animal hospital with Clayton, where I remained till about three or four in the morning um, before finally coming home. And so I, I guess there is a sort of irony in, in the fact that after, you know, so many months of um, or, or weeks of, of really, really trying to promote that that launch and, and trying to really drive up the number of first week sales and, and to, to drive up the amount of money that would be donated um, in Homer's name to Blind Cat Rescue, I ended up actually sleeping through, you know, I think I sent out an email letting people know that today was the day and then ended up sleeping for most of the rest of the day. Although I did a lot of stuff later in the week. And of course, you know, certainly I I had done a good job of those of you who were hanging out with me on social media back then will remember that I I, I did a, a certainly a good job of letting people know that the book was coming. But uh, and I'm not even really sure why I'm telling the story, except that, you know, my my all of my cats do end up figuring into everything all of my books, one way or the other. I mean, truly, Love Saves the Day was a book that was written before. I mean, I finished writing it before Clayton was even born. And yet the story of Love Saves the Day is still not just Scarlet's story, but also Clayton's story. And I will say for for those of you who have read Love Saves the Day, um, the, the character of the cat, Honey, who is essentially an ancillary character, Unlike Prudence, we never see anything or hear anything narrated from Honey's point of view. Everything that we know of Honey, we we see from the human characters who interact with her and who love her. Um, but the story behind Honey is that is that she was named Honey um, by by her humans because she was such a sweet girl. She was such a sweet cat, and absolutely, that cat was was based on Vashti, who really was just absolutely the sweetest, the sweetest, gentlest animal I have ever lived with. I was telling somebody recently Vashti's favorite thing, and I think I've described this in in books, but 
when we were living with George in Miami, lo these God, lo these many years ago, a good twenty five years ago. Um, and we had a screened in back porch where Vashti used to love to hang out and she used to love to catch geckos and she was really good at it. She could catch them almost instantly. We would be out for, for seconds and out there for seconds and Vashti would have a gecko in her mouth, but she never hurt them. She didn't eat them. She didn't chew them up. I, I would make her spit them out and, and they would just kind of run off, you know, disgruntled, but otherwise uninjured. And so Vashti was clearly capable of of hunting um, if she had wanted to, but I I just like thought it was always thought it was such a testament to just how gentle this cat was that that she really did not even as a cat and she had all of a cat's natural instincts to hunt, but she still couldn't quite bring herself to to hurt anybody or anything, uh, which I always think is is the reason why she resorted to peeing on things to make her point. Because she did not complain vocally. She had a very soft and gentle squeak and she never bit anyone or hissed or, I mean, really never unsheathed her claws. And and so she had at her disposal very few options in terms of expressing dissatisfaction. And I guess um, from her point of view, it must have seemed like a kind of of, of passive resistance or, or you know, nonviolent demonstration um, to, to pee on things. Rather than to who to hiss and scratch like Scarlet did, or to just kind of you know muscle her way through things, the way that Homer tended to. So, I, I guess that is the reason why Andrea, there there's not been a book about Vashti. Although I do reserve the right to make Vashti the subject of a book at some point in the future if I feel that doing so is warranted. And I am also pleased to say that Vashti will definitely, under her own name and and as herself, um, be a, a central character in the Homer Whodunit cozy mystery series, which I am already in the process of writing the the first book for, and and it's a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward uh, to sharing that with you guys when it is ready to be shared. And on that note, I, I think that uh, my my throat has probably given as much to me today as it is going to be capable of doing. So I'm going to sign off for now. But thanks so much to all of you for listening and for your patience in bearing with me while I I took my my unplanned two-week hiatus. And I promise that I am going to be with you every week going forward for the foreseeable future. So thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and I will see all of you next week. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.